Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's uh, open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 14. And we're going to tackle a chapter that has much confusion involved in it. But, through the years, but we're going to, we're believing God for clarity, amen? And we're going to have it. We may not see everything, but we're going to see more than we did before we walked in here. How I many know the Lord feeds us according to our ability to digest? Okay? So you say, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is very simply this. Paul made statements like, you should be ready for meat, but you still need milk. That'd be a blessing to have the preacher say that to you, wouldn't it? Well, I thought I was further along than I was. You just get, here's your bottle. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want some steak. Well, you're going to gum it to death because you have no teeth. <laughs> because you need to grow spiritually. And so what, what the Lord does is he takes the message and he's going to minister to you individually where you're at. By the Holy Spirit, certain things will be uh, uh, made enlightened to you that will bring greater strength in your faith. I mean, you know that, the, that faith comes by hearing. But not just hearing anything, you have to hear the word of God, amen? All right, so we're believing for that this morning, and I'm wrapping up the Holy Spirit series this morning. This is part eight, and we're going to talk about the move of the Spirit in a corporate, in a church, in a church setting, and I feel like 1 Corinthians 14 is probably the best chapter. There's many other chapters that we could go to and many different passages we could visit, but for this morning and for the purpose of time and stuff like this, this will be a good start to us, and then how many know you can read when you're at home? Amen? All right. So, so far in the series, what we've looked at is the Holy Spirit is called God. The Holy Spirit is eternal. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. We looked at the uh, other aspects of the Holy Spirit as far as foreknowledge, love, prophecy, the writing of Scripture, and divine guidance. If you want to listen to the other messages, you can go back to the website and do so. Uh, we wrapped up a couple of weeks ago looking at John 14, 15, and 16, which are really the Holy Spirit chapters where Jesus is declaring who the Holy Spirit is going to be to us after he leaves, okay? After he left. He was really talking to the disciples at that time, but it applies to us today as well. So then this, and then last week, or two weeks ago actually, we looked at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of other tongues. And then I know, because of report, we had at least three or four people baptized in the Holy Spirit for uh, either rebaptized or baptized for the first time. So how many are thankful for that? Praise God, I'm so thankful for that. And so this morning, I want to finish up by discussing three significant things from the Scriptures concerning tongues. We are going to look at the public and private gift of tongues and what it means to have an interpreter present in the service concerning other tongues. And so 1 Corinthians 14 is where we're going to start. But before we begin uh, to look at this chapter, I want to share some thoughts that have helped me gain a greater understanding of, and I hate to say this, but the controversial subject. Okay? I, and I know many of you think the way I do in this or believe the way I do is, as far as from the scriptures of what we believe we see here. But there are those that don't. There may be people watching online that don't. Um, I've never been able to make this subject... Um, not controversial in the church. 
Okay? I just haven't. Because of the different teachings that have gone on. And I'm going to say this. Ultimately, it boils down to a lack of walking in love. Amen. Good preaching, Sean. That was good. Thank you. (laughs) Ultimately, it boils down to a lack of walking in love. Because if I'm required to, to uh, if I'm required by the Lord to love my brother and sister, I know that some of my brothers and sisters in Christ do not even believe that other tongues is for today. But yet I still love them. And I'm not going to get into an arm wrestling match over, over it with you. Amen? How many of you know you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues to go to heaven? Okay, so, um, you know, it's not like the earth here. It's not like Pentecostals will be wandering along and they'll see a sign that says Baptist side of town. (laughs) And they're like, do you got your conceal? Yeah, I got mine. Okay, let's go. (laughs) It's not like that. All right. It's not like that. Besides, when we get there, you'll find out the Pentecostals were right. I mean, (laughs) sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Now you have to love me. We need to laugh before we get into this, right? Now, I'm not going to argue over it. The only thing I will get real strong with people about is whether Jesus is the only way or not, because he is. And I will not budge. How many of you will not budge on that one? Amen? All right? So, before we get into this, I just want to share here a couple of things about the move of God in, in church services. I do not want us to approach 1 Corinthians 14 from the idea that Paul is trying to prove that you are not to speak in a personal prayer language in a church service. And I'm going to prove this from the scripture, so just hang with me. Don't cut me off yet. This is not an argument on how prophecy is greater than tongues or vice versa. I believe you will notice as we study this chapter that this is about interpretation or explanation. The problem is not the move of the Holy Spirit. The problem is a lack of understanding and explanation about the move of the Holy Spirit. This chapter is designed to give the church at Corinth, leadership and congregation, understanding on how they should function in the church service so that the unbeliever, the visitor, or the uninformed believer are not left in the dark concerning the presence of other tongues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation in the church service. So far as we walk through this, so as we walk through this chapter, we keep these we need to keep these thoughts in mind and we will receive greater light concerning this truth. Number 1 above all, you walk in the love of God. Above all, okay? I believe the most important word in this chapter, outside of walking in love, is the word interpreter. Here is the definition I would like to keep us in mind as we study. And this is um, from a book that I read, was actually given to me about six or seven years ago, that really helped me along these lines, but it's called, Is There an Interpreter in the House? And it's by Virgil Stokes. He's not a real famous author by any means, but... Uh, gives a good explanation on this chapter and the gifts of the Spirit. It's called, Is There an Interpreter in the House? And it's by Virgil Stokes. But he made this statement. The word interpret and interpretation come from the Greek word 
and I do not know how to pronounce this, but it's D-I-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-O. So it's, I'll leave it up to you on how to pronounce that. This can mean translate, interpret, expound, or explain thoroughly. I particularly like the last definition. We could call this the gift of explanation. The gift of explanation. And those so gifted could be called explainers, or what most of the church is going to call them is interpreters. The complete biblical library, Greek-English dictionary, which all of you I know have and read, says this word means taking the unintelligible and making it understandable. Taking the unintelligible and making it what? Understandable, okay? Taking the unintelligible and making it understandable. That's the word, that's a definition for the word interpreter. This would certainly include what we have always referred to as interpretation, but it could cover so much more. Brother Hagin used to say this, that it was, he, used to, he made this statement. He says, that is what I do when, when he was uh, have services and we were in these services. He would make a statement about the move of the Holy Spirit because, you know, we'd have, of course, great times of teaching, but then there were times of demonstration of the Spirit. And he would explain to us that he was the interpreter of the service. So in other words, he was the explainer of what was going on. So he made this statement. He said this. He said, that is what I do in a lot of services. I interpret or discern or explain as the leader which way the service is going. I think there is a great deal more to interpretation than what we have seen. In other words, if we th- I want you to think of interpretation as we read through this chapter in terms of explanation. Is everybody with me so far? You say, you're really taking time on this. I know, I'm going to dig down and teach on this. Because I want you to understand it so that when you walk away and you're, you, you have people that you come in contact with that don't understand this, you, you can explain to them what is taking place. Why? A lot of people take 1 Corinthians 14 and they apply their insecurity to the chapter about how they feel when they heard somebody praying in other tongues, and then they make it out to be, this is, we're not supposed to have this in the service, and we're supposed to have this because I'm uncomfortable. How many know that could be dangerous interpreting the scripture like that? And, I don't want to say this, I have sat with ministers, well-known ones, who have told me that they moved away from the move of the Spirit in their church services because they didn't know how to handle it. And I, I, these, are, these are ministers that I respect. I still have great respect for them. But I don't approach the situation like that. I think if it's here, for me personally, I need to know Why? And even if it makes me uncomfortable, I need to function. I've noticed this about the Lord with me. You've probably noticed it too, for you. 
that he is more interested in us obeying and developing in him than he is our comfortability, our level of comfort. Now, as we look at this, if you just shut down, you won't see it. But if you listen and you hear, it'll make more sense as we go and as we look at it. So please do that with me. The gift of interpretation or explanation can include anything that takes the unintelligible and makes it understandable. This includes the discerning of the flow of the Spirit in a service and moving the service in that direction. How many know this? The Holy Spirit thinks He's God. Okay. <laughs> All right. The explainer, the explainer is set in the church by God to make sense of what is happening in a service for the benefit or the edifying of any who might be uninformed or unbelievers. How many would agree that the Holy, you, you recognized the Holy Spirit when you were born again, He came into your heart? How many think you could recognize Him when He moves in His gifts? If you're in a, if you're, now, there may be a true check inside of you if you hear something and you go, that's not even in the scripture, but we're going to look to the scripture here. But how many know this? You may see something in a service that's in the scriptures and you've never seen it before in the scriptures or read it, or you're new at your relationship with the Lord and you don't understand it. How many know it could make you feel uncomfortable? Is your uncomfortable feeling a revelation of God's will? Or is it a revelation of you not knowing? How many have been in a situation where you're around a whole bunch of other people and, and they're talking in another language and you're the only one there and you don't understand it? How many have felt uncomfortable? How many have felt uncomfortable when they started laughing and you didn't? Because you had no clue what they were saying. But once you have explanation, what leaves Fear, the uncomfortable, right? It goes, why? Because now you have an understanding. Now watch this. Understanding can be understanding the language they're talking in, but still not understanding what they're saying. Hello. I've been, I, I worked in, a, when I went to Bible college, I worked in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I worked at a, a restaurant called El Chico. And most of our cooks did not speak English. All right? They spoke Spanish. And um, they would, I didn't understand what they were saying all the time. I even took Spanish in high school, which didn't do me a lot of good. But it was my fault. So, but anyway, even when they were talking, I understood some words, but I didn't understand everything they said. But I didn't look at them and go, they're crazy. 
They're not. Now, if I had been raised in such a bubble that all I heard was English and all I thought was English was the language all over the world and that's all I knew, I'd never heard another language, I had never been educated or it, nobody had ever explained to me that there were other languages, I could go into that restaurant, start working, hear them speaking in Spanish and talk to the other servers that know English and go, have you heard the cooks? I'm not going back there anymore. You're not going back to the kitchen? No. Why? They're speaking in a language I don't know. In other words, I could have an insecurity or a fear about it. Why? Because I don't understand that it's a different culture. It's a different language. They, they were raised in a different place. They learned language differently. But once I understand that it's a different language, then my uncomfortable level goes way down. And then if I understand what they're saying in their language... What happens? I go to another level of what? Faith or confidence in the situation, correct? The same is true with other tongues. It's the same thing. I don't know about you, but the same Holy Ghost that saved me filled me with the Holy Spirit. I didn't get, they're not twins. I didn't get a different spirit. I got the same spirit. And I will say this. Um, Well, let's get into this. Verse 1. I'm trying to teach it without looking. I need to look at it. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So what do we see here? The emphasis by the Holy Spirit on prophecy through Paul, and we'll see this as we go, is not so much about trying to raise its importance above other tongues, but more about the unbeliever or the uninformed gaining understanding. This is about ministering to somebody in a way that they understand. Amen. I can almost picture these believers in Corinth who are known for their tendency toward being out of control. How many have read Corinthians? How many know if you're getting drunk at communion, there's a problem? (laughs) Self-control is not your greatest strength. I love this communion. Every... (laughs) Something's not right. All right? All right. Moving on. (laughs) I can almost picture these believers in Corinth who are known for their tendency toward being out of control, walking up to somebody who has no clue about other tongues, whether they are a believer or an unbeliever, and just start talking to them in other tongues. We have, how many know we have all done strange things through a lack of understanding? (laughs) Zeal without knowledge is... Useless, right? (laughs) Verse 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks in mysteries. So we see in verse 1, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. We see in verse 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him, which includes the person praying in other tongues, by the way. However, in the Spirit he speaks what? Mysteries, and that's he or she, that, that, that uh, um, yeah, it's genderless there. Remember, this chapter is not about tongues versus prophe- prophecy as much as it is about explanation. Here we see that Paul is telling the Corinthian church that their personal prayer language is not for speaking to men with, but about, for, but about or for speaking to God with. What is Paul saying here? If, if, if we see this in verse 2, we see what? He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. 
So in other words, what is Paul saying to them? Corinthians, don't walk up to somebody and start speaking to them in other tongues. They're not going to understand you. Okay? That's what he's saying. There is a personal side of tongues that will not edify the hearer without explanation. Praying in other tongues gives you the ability to pray out mysteries. So this is the personal side of this prayer language. It's the personal side. The personal side gives you the ability to pray out mysteries. Mysteries are hidden or secret things not obvious to the understanding. A hidden purpose or counsel. A secret will. It denotes the mystic or hidden sense. How many know praying in other tongues can be, can, you can feel like, man, what am I saying? But you're praying out of your heart, not out of your head. Now, let me just settle an argument that's trying to travel right now through people's minds. I'm talking about in this room. People say, well, that's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Does salvation make sense? You believe as a Christian, if, you're, if it's been explained to you correctly, that Mary, a virgin, was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a simple question. If somebody who was pregnant, a lady, young lady was pregnant in the earth today, came up to you and said, I'm having a baby. Oh, who is it? It's God. <laughs> Yoo-hoo! <laughs> Guys, we believe in miraculous, supernatural, outside the realm of natural understanding. Our relationship with God is based on faith in the reality of the unseen. How do I know I'm going to heaven? It's not like the Lord gave me a, you know, a hall pass. This is good for one trip to heaven. For eternity, <laughs> when you die. I mean, he did in here, but you understand what I'm saying? It's by faith. And you say it's by faith. Yeah, by grace, through faith, I believe. And, it, and that faith is, is in that security, that knowing on the inside. How many know on the inside of you, you're saved? You know you're born again. There is no question. I need to give an altar call because, but anyway. <laughs> I know, I know there, there's many of you who didn't raise your hand. You know that you're born again. How do you know? I know that I know that I know on the inside of me. These words declare it's a part of me as a, in my being. The same confidence can have with, you can have with understanding from the Holy Spirit concerning the scriptures on this subject. Explanation, amen? Verse 3 says this. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So what do we see? Prophecy is speaking in a known language under divine inspiration. That's what prophecy is. Edification. How many know that you could be in a foreign country and somebody could get up in a foreign language and speak out a prophecy and you not understand it, but the whole congregation could understand it? The issue is explanation. Explanation. What is prophecy? It's for edification. It's for exhortation and comfort. I'm not going to get into detail on that. Verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue does what? Edifies himself or herself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Your personal prayer language edifies, emboldens is one of the words there for edify. 
or builds you up in the Lord, but not others in the public setting, unless there is an explanation which we will see in the next verse. Prophecy does what? It edifies or builds up or emboldens the church as a group. Verse 5, I wish you all what? What did Paul write? By the Holy Spirit, I wish you all... So is this chapter an argument against speaking in tongues? I don't think so. Now, we'll get to the rest of the verse. I know what it says. People are like, read on, preacher. <laughs> you don't think I went into this battle unarmed, do you? <laughs> I'm not half-cocked here. We're ready to go. <laughs> oh, especially subjects like this. You've got to be ready, brother, or else. And not just ready from my point of view. Ready from the Scriptures. Amen? So this verse has to be held in context with, I wish that you would prophesy in a known language. They have to work together, right? Is God confused? Who's the one that might be wrong in this? Me. Come on. It might be me missing or misunderstanding. But the more we walk in light of these scriptures, the more we understand. So he says this, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more in addressing others. That's what I put. I put that in brackets in there. That you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues in addressing others. Watch this now. Unless he, indeed he does what? Unless he interprets. What is interpretation? It's taking the unintelligible and making it What? understandable okay it's taking the unintelligible and making it understandable i'm going to make a statement here and then i think you'll see it in verse six but i'm going to make the statement first this includes speaking publicly in other tongues and then having an interpretation in the known language of where you're at i'll just say english here because that's the predominant language but how many know praying in other tongues in another country where they don't speak in english if i tried to give the explanation in english it would still be understand un un unintelligible to them Correct? Okay? I not only believe that this verse is talking about the fact that it's the gift of tongues and interpretation. Of course, I see that in the context of the scripture. But I also believe it means explaining what private tongues means when somebody hears it and there's no interpretation. It's not a public gift. Because what does that do? It's a process of taking what is unintelligible and making it what? Understandable understandable there's a process that takes place so you say who's responsible who's the interpreter who's the explainer whoever usually whoever is leading the service like in this case it would be me it is my responsibility as a pastor to be aware to understand to be in fellowship with the holy spirit to such a degree that if you as a person who has come to this church whether you be a believer who is uninformed or an unbeliever that if you come up to me you go i you know after the service let's say it's an unbeliever they come up to me now i don't come to church a lot but i came to your church and i just want you to know there's some strange people in your church because during worship i heard them praying and i could not understand what they were saying at that point, it is not my job, it is not my responsibility to go find the person that was praying in other tongues and make them pray that they may interpret so that unbeliever can understand what went on. At that point, it is my responsibility to make the unintelligible understandable. 
Let me take you to the scriptures and show you in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 9, in Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 19, where people were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they received the gift of what? Other tongues. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians 14 and show you here is what was going on in that moment. What you overheard was a conversation between them and God. They were edifying themselves. They were praying out mysteries. And it takes the unintelligible and makes it what? Understandable. Do you know you can do that? Or you can just join them in their uncomfortableness. There's a lot of people that don't even want to talk about this. There's a lot of pastors, they won't even touch it. Because it makes you feel uncomfortable. You say, does it make you feel uncomfortable? Yes. But yet you're doing it because the Lord said to. Again, if, if, if my relationship with the Lord is about how comfortable I am, then I'll never walk on water. Because walking on water is unintelligible. <laughs> Especially if you don't know how to swim. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Verse 6. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Watch this. Unless I speak to you either by what? Revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by... If I come to you speaking in other tongues, speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by... What is revelation? What is knowledge? What is prophesying? What is teaching? It is explanation. It's explanation. You are explaining what is taking place. This shows me, part of this verse, and, and sometimes people are trying to disconnect the tongues from what's taking place, but the Holy Spirit and the trans, it's combined together. In other words, somebody could be praying in other tongues and somebody could overhear them, and then that person that was praying in other tongues could get up and say, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse number 16. I want to teach you something. Or that person could step over from where they're praying in other tongues privately to themselves. Guys, you don't, maybe you don't realize this happens, but during worship, I'm praying in other tongues right there. And when I get up and I have a word of knowledge about depression or I know in my heart that there's, there's a tongue and interpretation that needs to come forth through somebody else, where did that all come from? Guys, it's a knowing on the inside because I'm praying out mysteries and as I'm praying out mysteries, that my, my, the Holy Spirit in my heart enlightens my mind to understanding and I bring forth what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. How else would a minister know what is going on inside of you unless they had fellowship with the Lord? And people want to argue. They want to say, well, I can do that without the baptism of the Holy Spirit in other tongues. I'm not the one that told you to wait for it. See, I'm not going to let you make this between you and me. Jesus said it. How many are born again? Oh, it's increased. <laughs> People have been born again during the service. <laughs> the one who has saved you is the one who told you, this is my gift to you. 
Don't make this about a denomination. Don't make this about uh, 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 arguments, about theological, all this other stuff. Guys, I looked at, when I was studying this in the, in the, uh, in the uh, 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 commentary that I have, which is a spirit-filled commentary, they gave me three or four different views. I'm just going to go with the word. It's just easier. Just, the best commentary on the Bible is what? The Bible. Well, so-and-so says this, and so-and-so says this, and so-and-so says this. So how am I going to have faith? How am I going to have a firm foundation? Well, so-and-so says you can be saved by, you know, this, that there's many ways to heaven. And so-and-so says, no, it's only this way. Which is it? I need faith. I don't need confusion. I need understanding. I need explanation. How many know the Holy Spirit's not withholding it from me? And he's not withholding it from you. So this is about understanding. It's about explanation. People say, well, the services are going to get out of order. No, there's not. No, they won't. Because we have an explainer here. I said. See, this is where in talking to ministers, other ministers, and I'm not downing them. I'm just saying this is, this is a reality of conversation among ministers where they say, well, I tried it, but the service got out of control. If it does, that's my fault. That means I'm not a strong enough leader. I'm not functioning in the grace that's been given to me. Well, you know, there, something may happen that's out of, outside of the realm of what should be. Well, if you'll notice as you read through the rest of this chapter later, because we're not going to get to it, but <laughs> as you read through the rest of this chapter, you'll see that, um, that there's to be judgment that goes on when prophecy comes out. Come on. You know, people are like, I want to prophesy in your service, as long as you can handle the fact that it's going to be judged. Well, nobody judged my, my prophecy. Then you ain't prophesying. <laughs> right? Why would I, it's not like one side and then not the other. It's the scriptures together. Amen? There needs to be explanation. Verse 7, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by a tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. So what do we see here? Again, we see here that the point is explanation. Years ago, Kylie was in, uh, uh, my oldest, she was in the Billings Youth Orchestra. When we would go to her concerts, um, at the end of the, 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 their individual concerts, everybody would come together and they would uh, do a couple of songs together, the youngest and the oldest. Before the group would play their songs, they would always fine-tune their instruments so you would have this mix of notes playing all over the place. How many have ever experienced that? whether it be band or orchestra or something like that, you've been in a, in a place where there's a group of people and they're all tuning up their instruments and it just sounds like chaos. How many have experienced that before? Okay. It didn't sound good and it didn't make sense. Once the conductor got up and everyone had their music in front of them, they would begin playing. What a difference sheet music and a conductor make for the group. The same is true when it comes to the church service. Sheet music. Conductor. 
of course, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> explaining, in other words, sheet music a conduct, and a conductor, a minister, explaining what is going on ends the confusion and the craziness in people's minds. Now, you personally are just going to have to get over your uncomfortableness. And you say, how do I do that? How many, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit for years now, and I've been in the wildest service you've ever seen in your life. Maybe you've been in wilder, I don't know. Some of you have been saved longer than I have. I don't know. And I wish there was some explanation. But I did not jump ship. I didn't. I stayed put and I learned. And I thought, I'm not doing that. I could see how that could be right. Now they might be off. Well, that's old brother so-and-so. You know how he is. He's a little zealous. Love first, amen? Amen. (laughs) But we need explanation for those who are either unbelievers or uninformed believers. We need both, right? How many have family members that you go, "Eh, they might be a little crazy? (laughs) Some people's hands shot up really fast on that. I'm not going to out anybody out, but... But do you stop being their family? Do you love them? Yeah. Amen. A group of believers who understand how these things operate. Verse 10. There, there are, it may be, many, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. What needs to change if we're both foreigners? Understanding. Explanation. You need an explanation. Amen? Verse 12. And so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, quit that because you're out of control and you're making unbelievers feel uncomfortable. Is that what it says? But yet that's how many people have interpreted it. That's the decision they've made. Is that what God said? You say, do you have to keep bringing it back to the word? Well, I want you to be stable. I care about your spiritual development. And as as a minister, you know, any good parent doesn't just give their kid candy bars all day long. Yeah. In other words, you need to have understanding, amen? Amen. I know we're going a little long, but I'll wrap it up here. It says this, let it be done for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So if you pray in other tongues, I don't tell anybody they can't pray in other tongues here in their private prayer language at any time. But be aware of who's around you. Let, what are you doing? Is, are, let it be for edification. Edification, part of ex, edification is what? It's taking the unintelligible and making it what? understandable explain what is going on amen and you'll find that you will have more more people that don't understand it want to receive that gift than you don't remember this usually believers who don't understand tongues they've already received something that they don't understand totally so they're going to be open to something else that's available by a grace available by faith as well amen most of the time it's a fear or a lack of understanding inside people that causes them to clam up. Verse 13, therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. If you've never interpreted tongues and you've prayed in it, you need to pray that you may interpret. Amen? Go ahead and do that. 
Paul says this, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. How many of you know that's praying out mysteries? Okay, that goes back to the first verses, if you want to go back. What is the conclusion then? Paul says, I will pray with my spirit, with the spirit, and I will also what? Pray with my understanding. I will sing with the spirit. What, did Paul change subjects? He's still talking about what? Other tongues. Singing in other tongues. And then I'll sing with my understanding. Why can you pray in other tongues and then pray in understanding and then sing in other tongues and then sing in understanding? Because you prayed that you may interpret. And out of the other tongues, the Holy Spirit gives you an interpretation and then you pray out of that. I mean, no, this is a blessing from the Lord. (laughs) It is so true. Verse 16, otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of what? The uninformed, there it is again, say amen, at your giving of thanks. What is other tongues? A giving of, oh yeah. Since he does not understand what you say, you need to give an explanation. Explain it. People may say, well, it's just my personal prayer language. Then explain that. Well, I'll look weird. You already look weird. (laughs) You're here. (laughs) You believe in an unseen God who came and was birthed through a virgin. You're weird. You're welcome. (laughs) So am I. But you know what else I am? Delivered from addictions. Saved and going to heaven. Healed in body. Blessed from the heavens above. Know that I'm saved, sanctified, and delivered from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Living in peace while the rest of the world lives in fear. I'll take my weird over your normal any day. Okay, that was Holy Ghost fire. All right. (laughs) For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God. Look at this. What does Paul say? Go, Go down to verse 18 for me, please. I want everybody to see this. I what? I with What? The Holy Spirit said that through Paul? I'm pretty sure 1 Corinthians 14 is a strong argument to keep tongues away from everybody. Come on. Now let's read the next verse. I know about the next verse. Go to the next one. Yet in the church I would rather speak what? Five words with my understanding than that I may teach others also than what? 10,000 words in a tongue. In other words, be aware if you're being unintelligible. And then bring understanding. Amen? Bring understanding. It's just so good, guys. Okay. Brethren, verse 20. Do not be children in your understanding. How do you avoid being children in your understanding? By knowing this verse, this chapter. In other words, what is the issue that Paul's dealing with? He's dealing with immaturity in the believers. And he didn't say, stay away from tongues, don't talk about the subject. He said, this is what the Holy Spirit has given me to bring you to a place of maturity concerning the move of the Holy Spirit and the gift of other tongues and the gifts of the Spirit in a church service. Here is your answer. 
Not run away from it, we're all afraid those people are weird. No, that will do us no good. The reason why things are fearful many times is because people just simply don't, have not taken the time or don't understand. They don't understand. They need what? Understanding. And mature people, they know how to handle individuals who are what? Either unbelieving or uninformed. They develop maturity. How many know a healthy marriage is between two mature people? Not two perfect people. Brethren, do not be children in your understanding. However, in malice be babes. So don't be full of malice. But in understanding be what? Mature. In the law, in, in the law is, it is written, men, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. And then you go down to verse um, 22. Look at this. Therefore tongues are a sign. Watch this. Not to those who, but to... Who are they assigned to? <laughs> Some people are going, how is that possible that that verse is in there? Because when tongues are explained, it takes the unintelligible and it makes it what? Understandable. Then the unbeliever can have some Light, some understanding about what's taking place. And you say, what happens then? Then you disconnect yourself from the situation. And that person that doesn't know walks away. and And the Holy Spirit begins to work inside of them. Come on. Come on, faith people. You say, it goes into God's hands? Yes, it does. How many can hang on for just a few more minutes? Come on, you can do it i got to wrap this baby up. i got to get you into grace next week. Because that's the next series. Verse 23. Therefore, tongues is a sign for those, not for those who believe, but for un- to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Why? Because they don't understand. In other words, Paul's not saying, so don't pray in tongues at all in the church. Don't do that. Stop doing that. You guys are nuts. Stop doing that. Can I ask you a question? The initial baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues, what language came out of people in the upper room? Who heard it? And they heard it in what? <laughs> that's another gift of, the tongue, of other tongues that I haven't, I haven't been able to touch yet, but that's another portion of this passage. There's a whole other realm right there. Will they not say that you're out of your mind? Why? Because you're, you have something that's unintelligible and you haven't made it understandable. Now watch this, and I agree with this, of course. Verse 24, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all. In other words, the Holy Spirit's convicting him. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. I don't think I've had that in, my, in our services yet. We need to. 
In other words, God's moving so powerfully that this person who's an unbeliever comes into the service and they hear all this activity that's going on and there's explanation going on. There is other tongues being, being spoken. They, maybe as a gift of tongues and interpretation publicly. Maybe they hear it privately. Prophecies going on. The gifts of the Spirit are in operation. And in the midst of this atmosphere, this local church in Corinth wasn't overly emphasizing an appeal to the intelligence of man, but rather to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So strong is that conviction that the person without even an altar call falls to their knees in the middle of that service and says, God is among you. Somebody say, help us, Lord. (laughs) How many know it's coming? And not because of the famous preachers, although I love the famous preachers, but because the body of Christ is being trained up in the knowledge of who they are in Him, and they're operating in faith from a place of understanding grace. The Lord, you can spend hours praying in other tongues before you get to the church service and the Lord can show you who you're going to minister to before you even come through the doors. First, uh, let's go down to uh, verse 26. How, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Do you know that doesn't have to be from the pulpit? We need to hit this. I know I'm taking long. You're with me. I'm saying it by faith, too. <laughs> How many of you got time for this? You got something more important to do? Cook a hot dog or something? How many know the restaurants will be there when you're done? <clears throat> yeah, I can stand to skip a meal, somebody says. <laughs> You're like, I'm starving to death. No, you haven't seen starving to death. You don't, you live in America. (laughs) In other words, you have these things in you because you have a relationship with the Lord. And when you come together in a corporate setting, you may have something for somebody in the church. If you're praying, if you're doing good to others... If you're praying for the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you to, to be edification, to be comfort, to be strength. He's going he's gonna to flow through you to somebody else in the body because you're joined together. Your ligaments, your joints, you're all together. You have a supply within you that can minister to someone else. Amen? And so if you're fellowshipping with the Lord at a place of maturity... Then, there's, then the Lord is moving through you to someone else. And you can spend time praying long before you get anywhere and have the word of the Lord in your mouth for them. And it can be done corporately as well too, of course. If anyone, verse 27, speaks in a tongue, let, it, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. Boy, that kind of puts the pressure on the explainer, doesn't it? Now I'm going to get up, and you three are going to pray in tongues, and I'm going to interpret all of it. How many of you know that scares people? 
People say, can you do that? (laughs) I've been put through the ringer on this. You say, how? I ministered in the believers' rallies with Larry Phelan for years, and he would say, Sean, you're going to interpret, and he would just call me up. Guys, whether I had it or not, people say, don't do that to me. Don't worry. It won't happen for you. You say, why did that happen to you? Because it needed to. I needed to be put on that spot. And you say, what would happen? I would get the interpretation while he was praying in other tongues. Was it easy? No, you get to shut your flesh down and your head. You ever had hundreds of people staring at you going, I wonder what this is going to be. And then you're listening to somebody next to you speak in a language you have no clue what it is. You're standing there going, Lord, now would be good. (laughs) Rapture or something. Do something. We're in trouble. (laughs) how many know when you're on the water you need grace to walk on it but how many know people are like yes Lord I want to walk on the water but they want to just have everything in play before they ever get out there that's not how it works with the Lord okay sorry about that I got off on a tangent verse 28 but if there is no interpreter let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God in other words he didn't say don't pray in tongues He said, what? Can you pray in tongues silently? Yes, you can. You can. Amen, isn't that good? Come on, just relax in it. People say, this is a spirit-filled church. What are we going to do? People would be sweating and rolling on the floor before we know it. (laughs) You say, where have you seen that? Buddy, I've seen a few things. I've been in church services, I've been in services, oh my gosh. If I could tell you some of the stories that I've seen. I probably participated. In fact, I know I did. There's no problem about it. We, man, people be rejoicing when we were down at Ramah in prayer school, and you know, have all these college students that are going into the ministry, you know, they're going to turn the world upside down for the Lord, or right side up. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we're worshiping and stuff, and you have all these people that are just amped to be at church. And, uh, and you're going along, and people are jumping and shouting. Pretty soon, people would start running. You say, running? Yeah, have you ever seen anybody in soccer score a goal? And, you know, you hear the guy, goal! You know, and then what does the athlete do that scored? He runs and then slides on his knees. How many have done that in church? People are like, I want my jeans to not have holes in them. Well, people get to rejoicing. How many know running and and stuff like that is a form of rejoicing at times? And we're used to it in the natural world, but not in the spiritual. We'd get to run it in prayer school to the point that you had to have a direction. In other other words, the minister knew that all these people are full of zeal. So he'd say, as because I was an usher in prayer school, (laughs) he'd say, okay, we got to do something. We got to get a direction because we had people running different directions in the church service and they're all in the spirit, you know what I mean? And um, some of them are, some of them aren't. But how many know we're in the natural too and it can cause problems? And so you'd have somebody come around this corner running and somebody come around this corner running and they're both, glory! Boom! And you find out how in the spirit they are. 
So the minister finally said, look, we're not going to shut down the rejoicing. You just all have to run this way. <laughs> you know you're a wild church when you got running lanes in your church. <laughs> there were marks on the wall from dress shoes where people had not taken into consideration the turn angle in their rejoicing. Shoe marks on the wall. Glory to God. People say, you're, you're not against that? Well, it sure beats a dead church. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire at all. So Brother Hagin used to say to us, I find it true. Last few verses. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Are we supposed to judge? But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let him keep silent. Do you have to say what you get? No, you can keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one. How many can? <laughs> Isn't that great? Some of you are going, I can't prophesy. Well... That's not what the Lord said. So, something to pray about. That all of you may learn and be what? Encouraged. That the spirits of the prophet and the spirits of the prophets are subject to who? They're subject to whatever unction they have and they just have to do it. Nope. For God is not the author of what? Confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints, let your women keep silent. I'm not gonna even go here. I don't even have time for this. Let your women be quiet. Now, you have to study the history of this verse. There is, any, I don't even have time to go to that one. We got to move on. I could be here another four hours. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of God. In other words, you may think you're spiritual, but this is the commandment of the Lord. So if you disagree with it, your spirituality may need to come up a level. Amen? All right, verse 38. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be... Wow, that's quite a statement after saying we need to explain, 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 explain. And by the way, if they're ignorant, just let them be ignorant. Is Paul schizophrenic? It feels like it sometimes. You ever read through the Bible and you're like, what in the world? What he's saying here is, is if you want to remain ignorant, fine. That's what he's saying. Does that make sense? Okay. Therefore, verse 39, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and what? Do not what? I will not forbid you to speak with tongues. I have a commandment not to. I will not forbid it. Now, I will ask you to explain. Amen? And if you get up and you're like, you... <laughs> You have a prophecy when we get to this point and you want to give it. I ask that you, if, it's, if it's a tongue that there be an interpretation. If you feel like you have a tongue, I'll get the explanation. But either way, even in the, during the worship time, if you want to pray in other tongues, do. I will not forbid God from moving. Just do it quietly and to yourself. If be aware of who's around you. Or if you know, if sometimes people are like, I think I spoke in tongues too loudly, Pastor. I could have offended somebody. If you think that somebody is questioning this, 
Go ahead and explain. Amen? Bring explanation to it. That's what you want to do. And then he goes on to say this. He says, let all things be done decently and what? Guys, if I could, if I could give you any, any real strong statement here for all of the, that chapter, it's this. The majority of that chapter, this is not an argument of tongues versus prophecy. It's a matter of explanation. It's a matter of decency and order. It's a matter of things being done in such a way that is intelligible and understandable. It's not about, it's the Baptists are right, the Catholics are right, the Pentecostals are right, this group's right, this group, it has nothing to do with any, none of those were around anyway at the Corinthian church. It's about order and discipline. Even the statements about women speaking in the church in that, in that chapter that I am not going to get to because one controversial issue is enough for one Sunday. <laughs> Even with that, and you can stand with me please. Even with that, guys, it, it was about order and discipline in the services. It was about decency because it was a group of people that came out of the worship of Diana, which was, it was a female God, and all the ministers in that temple were females. And so in the church service at Corinth, they had to deal with the fact of these, there was a group of women that would just want to take over the whole service and take it a certain direction when Paul said, no, 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 you can't do that. He was bringing order to the services. Remember, this is the Corinthian church. They were getting drunk at communion and eating all the bread. Man, the body of Christ is filling, you know. <laughs> you know, they're eating hoagies while the other person next to them has nothing. <laughs> Sometimes people make this so spiritual. It's not spiritual. They were eating the whole loaf of bread. It'd be like if you came here, we had loaves of bread, and you came and plugged your toaster in and had some butter, and you just started, you know... That's the communion bread. I thought it was a free meal. <laughs> In other words, guys, I pray that this brought understanding to you. And I ask you, go back and read it again. Look at it. When we post the message, listen to it again. And again, get understanding for yourself. And I know I went long, but how many think it's worth it? Okay? Amen? I want people to understand, I, cannot, I am not, we cannot dictate to God how he moves. I'm not going to say to him, no, you can't, no, no tongues here, Lord. No, 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 stop that. When the scripture clearly says, forbid not. We need decency, we need order, we need what? Understanding, explanation. Walk in love, pursue love. And what? Desire spiritual gifts. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.